0: FaceTime Yeah, yeah Come on, Bobby Yo Yo, 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 yo Yo, yo, yo,
1: yo, yo, yo Hold on, I gotta turn this off God damn it, really? Hey, everybody Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay I'm not okay You're not okay With me, Bob Schneider And your other host, Clint Wells You're welcome
0: by the way, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. We're uh, we're going to talk about Tool for a minute because Bobby Schneider saw Tool for the first time last night, and I'm very anxious to hear what your thoughts were, or are, rather.
1: Well, again, I think I talked about it on the last show. I'm convinced that everything in this world is about what your uh, preconceived notion is versus what actually takes place. Oh, so, no.
0: You're going to tell me you didn't like it, aren't you?
1: No, not at all. Uh, they were great. Tool was great. Um they were it kind of was exactly what I was expecting to see. Right. They were uh, you know, playing their songs, which I'm familiar with. Uh I knew that he I knew they played behind a screen. I know they projected stuff on the screen. Uh I know that uh he sings in the back, you know, and right. uh, you can't really see him, uh Maynard, you know. And uh I will say so my favorite thing about Tool was So they played a song, and then the first thing that Maynard says after their first song is he goes, supposedly, Austin, (laughs) work on it, and doesn't say another word. What's he talking about? What does that mean? That means, like, this is supposedly Austin, work on it. Wow. Dude, I love it when somebody fucks with the audience, and the place was sold out, packed with fans.
0: Yeah. So what's his trip? He's such a weird cat, man. Dude, I loved it, man. That's, That's funny. Like,
1: and all I could think about, all I could think about was, I turned to my wife and I said, "You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start truly not giving a real fuck." Like, and she's like, "But you don't already don't truly <laughs> give a real fuck," and I'm like, "No." Up until now, I've not given a shit. But I'm talking about truly not giving a real fuck. Now, I saw my four-year-old wearing a one-piece pajama thing with a hoodie and some boots the other day when we were in Florida. And I was like, that looks comfortable. Now, if I show up on stage and I'm wearing a one-piece pajama... With boots and a hoodie?
0: You're Dave Matthews.
1: <laughs> then I'm truly not going to be giving a real fuck. And my wife was like, if you do that, nobody's going to come see you. And I'm like, I know, but I'm talking about really not truly giving a real fuck. And she's like, well, I'm going to divorce you then. And I'm like, yeah, but guess what? That's also part of my not giving a real fuck plan.
0: I'm going to put that in that column.
1: Anyways, I'm probably not going to show up that way because I do kind of care.
0: Well, and he, I mean, I don't know, I don't know him. It's easy to pretend you don't give a fuck when you've sold out the twenty thousand seat arena. Then you get to be the guy that pretends he doesn't give a fuck. He'd probably give a fuck if the, their hard tickets went down. And he, well,
1: here's here's the other thing. I mm-hmm.
0: bought my tickets for
1: five hundred dollars for two seats, and there were okay seats but they weren't
0: great seats they weren't on the floor yeah why'd you pay that much I, they, they shouldn't have been that much i saw them in birmingham it was 140 bucks and then i bought tickets to see them next week here in nashville for like 105 bucks my tickets were what what the price on my ticket
1: stub was 125 each but i you can't buy those tickets you can't because what happens is the ticket sellers or resellers buy all the tickets like the first day and
0: and mm-hmm. then you have
1: to buy them from them and they mark everything up. And so I paid 500 bucks for those tickets that were worth 250. And then some buddies of mine went, bought tickets that day for 50 bucks each. And they were in this, they were in the same section. Wow. So maybe, maybe what happened was they didn't sell all those tickets. And they, they didn't. Had, right. But here's the deal. They sold all the tickets, but the resellers didn't maybe make their money on those right. tickets. Right. But Tool so, tool made all the money.
0: So what did well Tool's at a point where they just had some sort of probably a guarantee with the promoter and it it was going to be the promoter's ass if they didn't fill the seats. Tool probably had a guarantee. Well,
1: they filled all they filled all the
0: seats. Um so what did Laura think about the Tool show?
1: She loved it. She, and again, she didn't have any expectations. She thought she was going to hate it. She was like, "Oh, is this this music's going to give me anxiety." And then she was just like Oh, I love it, and I was like, I'm gonna want to leave before you. And she's like, No way! And I was like, Oh, for sure. So we didn't. I didn't stay till the end. I I watched like six songs, and then I was like, Ah, I get it. I'm ready. To what? Go. Yeah. Oh my god. So I split. But
0: I hate that part of the story.
1: But the opener was this guy, author and Punisher, and we were like, Oh, we gotta sit through a fucking opener. I was so bummed out. And then this guy came on, and it was one of those things where, again, I was expecting the worst. I was like, oh, it's going to be some fucking math metal band or some bullshit. And it was like all the things I love all rolled into one. Like I used to listen to this band called Einsturz und Neubauten, which was this German band that played like machines and stuff back in the 80s and 90s. And I liked Ministry. Uh, back in the 90s, I used to listen to that. And this was kind of like a combination of Ministry and Einsturzen and Einsturzner Neubauten. It was just this guy. It was
0: just one dude, just one guy. One dude
1: playing, like, noise, but sonically, it was one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life. And Laura, too, we were like, what the fuck is this? Like, it was so different than anything I'd ever heard. And amazing in that, in in that arena, it was so loud. It was so much louder and so much more kind of awe-inspiring than Tool. Like when Tool finally came on, it was like, oh, this is just a band. Hmm. It was it was weird, dude. You should definitely check out that. Uh, hopefully, it'll be the same guy uh, that's that's uh, that you see.
0: Yeah, you I see think him. he's doing the whole tour. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's cool that that you can still be surprised pleasantly by openers, especially kinda of the kind of guys that we are, that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, Jesus, a fucking opener. Well Come dude, on. I'm a
1: a I'm a lyrics guy. And mm-hmm. this these these are the lyrics of that guy. Ah <laughs> And I was like
0: So it's a political song.
1: Uh I was like dude this shit this shit is big for sure in Poland. Like I, I was like <laughs> we were watching and I was like this guy's probably the biggest artist in Poland right now. Here's the other thing he can't do. You're not gonna play what's the place in Nashville where everybody where they just did the documentary, The Blue Note or whatever. Bluebird the Bluebird Cafe. That guy's not playing at the Bluebird
0: yeah, Cafe. Yeah, it's it's like fucking Mindy Smith and Laurie Lori McKenna and then that ministry <laughs> industrial guy going,
1: Oh, Joe, Well, it was it was truly amazing and uh it was one of those situations with the author and punisher guy where I was like this is the possible, like, it was one of those, oh, there's some possibilities for music that I don't really explore myself that I probably would like to explore. Hmm. Like, it felt like real, me- like, it. there was some real alchemy, like, sound alchemy happening with this guy. And, and Tool gets there in their song. Like, when, when you see Tool, they kind of start, you know, ding, 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 ding and they get to where this guy starts and i don't know man if i was tool i'd be like get this guy out of here the oh it's just too it's too it's like the best part of tool like when like i love tool because they get to that huge like they just keep building and you're like well it can't get any bigger oh my god and it gets bigger can't get any bigger and it gets bigger can't get any bigger and it's still getting
0: bigger yeah it's a it's a journey it's a ride
1: so i don't know there it was good here's the other thing right when it started all these motherfuckers stood up and i'm like don't stand up bitch if you stand up i can't see anything if i'm seated so i had to stand the whole time yeah i'm like i don't want to stand There's seats you motherfuckers God damn it, I was so pissed.
0: Yeah. I'd prefer to sit at a show also. I, I've reached that milestone of my life. Just, if everyone would just I, cool out, my baby. Everyone just cool down, baby. Have a seat, baby.
1: I would have for sure stayed for the whole show if I could have sat. But I wasn't going to stand for the whole show.
0: Right. Well, a Tool Show, I mean, six songs is like 90% of the set. So you didn't miss that much, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm probably. I was there for like 50 minutes, probably.
0: What did you think about the no cell phone uh, policy?
1: Well, everybody had their cell phone out, but then they kept coming and going. Hey, we're going to take your cell phone if you pull it out again. I'm f- I'm 54, so I'm, I'm I can watch a show without pulling my fucking cell phone out.
0: Right. Well, they they enforced it in in Birmingham, and people abided by it. And it was really nice. It was like just nice to be in a room full of people watching a show again without being so distracted and without. The, the sort of insane need to document it. I was here. I was here. My life is valuable and meaningful, and I do cool things. And I was here. I was at Tool. Believe me, please. Um, I'm looking forward to the show, and we'll have to we'll have to reevaluate after I get freshened up too. Check this out. Last several emails, all from the ladies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like that, right? Okay. Let's read some of these. Kelly Emery writes, "Hi Bob and Clint, love the podcast. I'm writing to you finally." Because one of my New Year's resolutions is to be more social. Does this count? It does count. We're now reading this email socially on a very widely listened to podcast. And uh, this is probably going to change your entire life, getting this shout out on the podcast. Kelly Emery, check her out. Here's her question. She says, I enjoy that you both have the ability to love and embrace life as the beautiful gift it is and can also be crusty curmudgeons with a list of shit that just ain't right or simply pisses you off are you more creatively moved when you're in lovey-dovey mode or when you're in axe-grinding bitch mode which produces results that you are the most satisfied with overall love you kelly
1: i'm always the most productive when i'm not on when i'm on shaky ground so it can be it can be i can be feeling good or feeling bad or in between but if i'm on shaky ground where i'm not sure what's happening or what's going on or where my life is going or which could be mean which could mean like i'm falling in love or i'm falling out of love or whatever just when i'm off balance that's when i'm my most creative when i'm falling through the sky that's when i'm the most
0: creative why do you think that is what's going on there because
1: at that point i need the song to save me I need whatever it is that I'm making to save me from that feeling and from my imminent demise. But if I feel like everything's fine and I've got everything under control, I don't need that song to save me or piece of art or poem or whatever it is. So I'm not going to, chances are I'm not going to do something interesting at that
0: point. Yeah. I, I could not have said that better. And I agree with everything you said. I, Because of my job as a songwriter, I have to write a lot of songs no matter how I'm feeling. Maybe I'm grumpy, maybe I don't feel inspired, maybe I'm on shaky ground like you and I really need to get something, birth something to feel better. I have to write this damn song anyway, and I'll say that the best songs I've ever written were not a product of that environment. I'm good enough at it to just sit down and do it, but the best songs are the songs written exactly as how you've described, where you need that song to save you. And then the song does and then that's such a great feeling. the song can pull you pulls you out of whatever.
1: Well, I have this thing too, where I only feel as good as the last song that I wrote. So if I've written a good song, if I don't write a good song the next week, I'm like, "Oh, I wrote a song. I wrote a great song a week ago, then two weeks go by. Oh, I wrote a song two weeks ago. I'm fine. Three weeks go by. Eh. four weeks go by.
0: And then you worry it's you might sung. never you worry you may never write a good one again.
1: I'll never write it. Dude, I either never write another good song or I can always write great songs. Right. Like I'm in one of those two places always. Yeah. Now, when I don't feel inspired, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not going to write a great song. And I know that because I've been completely uninspired and I make myself write one and then all of a sudden there it is. Right. It's like fishing in a way. Where you just got to put your, you know, bait in the water and see what you can get. And some days you just go, well, I'm not going to catch anything today. And you don't. And then some days I'm not going to catch anything today and you catch a whopper. You just never know. Now, again, I will say I've had more success when I've been in one of those places where I feel like I have to write something or I'm going to die. I got the most play.
0: Deb Wallace writes in and says, Hey, Bob and Clint, love your podcast. Binged all of them since I got the postcard at your Saxon show on New Year's Eve. Was nice to meet you after the show as well. We spent an extra two nights in Austin just to see the show. Well, that's nice. Uh, she says, Bob, I'm worried about your sleep. Seems to be working for you, but I love my magnesium, melatonin, and valerian root to get some Zs.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Clint, kudos to you for being patient with Bob and his interruptions. Sincerely, Deb Wallace, your biggest fan in Atlanta. Oh wow. Well, I think that I think that we have cracked the code in a, in certain ways, cuz maybe our listeners don't know this, but a lot of times Bob and I will talk about how to make the show better and like what's working about the show, what's exciting to us about the show. And I think that over the last year, we've learned a lot about how to do this and how to make it great and I feel really good about where we're at with the show. We interrupt each other a lot less than we used to.
1: Well, it's one of the best. I, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's the best podcast out there right now.
0: Yeah, you're probably right.
1: If you're listening to this, you are listening to the best podcast that you can listen to.
0: And speaking of that, you guys heard last week, but we've got this Patreon now. So Patreon's a way for you to support the show. Uh, you know, we make all this content lovingly for you all. We carve out time from our lives, our families, our jobs, our touring, all this stuff. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can check us out on Patreon. There's different little tiers that you can support. And we found all, a bunch of cool ways to give you guys stuff in return. We're doing these autographed postcards that uh you're going to be able to collect a whole series of them. They're going to be fun and interesting. And there's also a tier where you can hear uh secret weekly Bob and Clint clubhouse chat every week where we do a little more secretive chatting uh, after each episode, that's that's only on Patreon, and uh, it's where we reveal honestly, we reveal some secrets about ourselves that we ordin- ordinarily wouldn't say. So uh, go check the Patreon out. That's all we'll say about that. Uh, what do you have to say about her? Worried about your sleep? Do you think you need more sleep?
1: Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm I'm worried about it too, dude. I was uh, speaking of podcasts. I was listening to Crystalia's podcast, which isn't as good as this podcast, but it's pretty great. Um And he was saying that he got 12 hours of sleep, and I was just like, oh, my God. If I got 12 hours of sleep, I can't even imagine how amazing I would feel. I don't think I've gotten 12 hours of sleep since I was in my 20s.
0: I would honestly feel guilty if I slept that long. I, I feel guilty if I sleep too much. Well, here's what I do know. When I get more than five hours of sleep, I have the most
1: crazy dreams. Hmm. Like, the most vivid, crazy dreams you can imagine that last hour. So I guess I'm getting, I don't know. I guess I'm getting good sleep. If you're if you're dreaming, supposedly that's the REM sleep that you're supposed to be the most healing and helpful. So I feel like I'm getting the sleep I need. It's just not conventional. I have the creative uh, sleep cycle.
0: I definitely feel better when I, you know, like. I'm having to just drink less these days. I think I've talked to you about that a little bit. Just because even drinking a little bit kind of makes me feel bad. And that's been an adjustment for me. Because kind of like you, when you were in your 20s, you're like not drinking has not been an option for me really ever. Just because I enjoy it. But now I'm like, man, if I have a cocktail before bed, I feel worse in the morning. So I've just been bypassing the cocktail and waking up and feeling good. Even if I, like last night I went to bed really late, like 2 a.m. Got up at 6.30 to be with my kid. But I didn't feel like shit. And that's just right. becoming more important to me. It sounds like for you, too, even though your schedule is so crazy.
1: I think alcohol, like, actually, like, it it does something to your sleep where you're not actually getting the benefits of sleep. No,
0: it fucks your sleep up big time, even if you have, like, a glass of wine. Um, I'd like to figure out a way to sleep better, too, man. Maybe we can do that together. Uh, Kathleen Mallet. Hold up. up. Oh, oh, I knew that was coming. Knew it was coming, Bob. Kathleen Mallet writes, "I laughed and began to cry as I listened to Clint do the char- character Carol, discussing sleep apnea and smoking her cools. Funny stuff. Love you both, Kathleen. I don't remember what we named that chick. Did we name her Carol? The woman who said who said you have sleep apnea? Yeah, I think that's Carol. Carol. Carol Burnett." Carol
1: but Burnett, It's man. it's spelled differently. It's spelled differently.
0: Right. It's not like the actress. Obviously, I'm not her. It's spelled differently. It's Carol with a K, actually. I have always have a cold because of all the cigarettes I smoked. Anyway, but let's talk about you now and your uh, obvious weight gain that causes sleep apnea.
1: <laughs> how much are you? How much? Where are you weighing in at now, Carol? I know last time you were you were you were trying to lose. You were trying to shed a few lbs.
0: Well, I mean, you know, the, the, you can't just stack it on each other. Things are a little different for me. I'm a little older than you, and we're not really talking about me right now. And, and I don't have sleep apnea. I, don't, I hardly snore at all. I mean, my husband, he, we've slept in separate bedrooms the last 35 years, but he tells me that I, he can't hear me snoring from across the hall. So we're not talking about me. I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh.
1: So come on, just give me a little because last time it, it was it was uh, I was concerned for your health because, yeah, I mean, you were you were getting up there.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not going to talk about that, Bob. I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh. This is not something I'm going to do.
1: <laughs> how old are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's not really that polite to ask a lady how old she is. But I, I guess if I I guess I will tell you that I'm going to have But my last birthday, I, I, I was 26 years old. I'm gonna be 30 soon. I'm gonna be 30 soon. So,
1: in four years, it sounds
0: like. In four years, I'll be 30, and the, the whole heavens to Betsy. I'm gonna have to really start thinking, figuring out what I'm gonna do.
1: But you've been married for 35 years. I'm not sure about the math on
0: this. Well, but my first marriage. I'm on my second marriage, and my kids are in college. But I'll be t- I'll be 27 next June.
1: Okay, got it. <laughs>
0: The thing is, that chick, when I was, whatever episode we debuted that chick on, most of what I was saying, she really said to me. <laughs> That's what's so crazy about that chick. Right. Uh, thanks, Kathleen, for the email. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you dig it. All right. One more email. This is from Dr. Marianne. This is the chick who asked about uh, frunk shows, and we addressed that. But she did write this P.S. She says, P.S., I'm a doctorally prepared nurse practitioner and wellness coach. I know you have both mentioned challenges relating to wellness. If you'd like to explore coaching as a tool for wellness, feel free to reach out. Happy to share my gifts as you so graciously and unknowingly share yours with me. I'd be happy to discuss more. So Uh. she is offering her mental health services to me and you because we are, let's face it, we're not well. We're insane.
1: Well. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Well.
0: Well, yeah, well. I got the boost, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Remember our yeah, well thing? Oh, yeah. That... That I still employ that device often.
1: Here's here here are the things that I employ. You know what? Let's let's save it for the Secret Weekly.
0: All right, we'll save that for the Secret Weekly. Well, thank you, Doctor Marianne, for that wonderful email. You can write into us, Bob and Clint at gmail dot com. We read about every one that we get, uh, but they. I will say the show is growing, Bob, and the emails are stacking up quite a bit. But I'm pretty sure we're caught up.
1: Well, if you if you if you want to reach out to us, what's the uh, email address? It's
0: bobandclint at I I literally just said it, just said it.
1: Oh, I was I was not <laughs> listening to anything you were saying because I was looking at the screen and there's a guy on the screen that looks like he's wearing some sort of like zombie Nazi uniform. Because somehow I got stuck in this YouTube spiral of what I assume are trash rock videos. Uh, these are the names of. The bands. Pig Destroyer. Okay. Mercure. Tomahawk. Red
0: Fang. (laughs) (laughs) I love your new poem. It's called uh, YouTube. Can we talk about your dad's poem this week? Sure. (laughs) So Bob has a. uh, a, It's similar to the. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) It's pretty good, right? So Bob runs a. It's similar to the song club, but it's a poetry club. And it's similar. There's a prompt and you you write a poem. And it's 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 cool because you can't really be kicked out of this club. I mean, I don't think I've written a poem in like a year. Uh, but I get them every week and I love reading them. And people float in and out of this group. And our friend Steve Poults is in it. And uh, Owen Edgerton, a great filmmaker, and in Austin's in it. And, P- and Jason Moraz will do it sometimes. I always love your poems, Bob. You know all that. Which, by the way, Bob has poetry books that you can get, I'm assuming, off your website, right? Uh, you can get them on the website. Or you can get
1: them at lulu.com. You can get them at Amazon. Actually, if you just do a search in Amazon, it, it, it,
0: Bob's collected poems are worth getting. Everyone, go check those out. But the, what I one of my favorite things about the Poetry Machine is seeing Bob's dad's poems.
1: Well, let, all right. let me give you a little backstory. First of all, what I used to do is I would have my dad read my poems because he thought they were so stupid or funny or something. So he like I would find the I don't know, kind of the craziest poems that I would write. And then I would film him reading my poems. And it was hilarious. Right. Just because he thought they were so bad. And then he's like, I could do this. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll add you to the list. I added him to the list. He hasn't missed a week in like three years.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's way in. He's way in. And and the, and I'm going to read his new poem, his newest one. And and uh, they're not all this short, but the spirit of this poem is what many of them are like. And, uh, well,
1: a lot of them are sex poems, which really <laughs> is really rough if, you're, if you if if you realize that he's married to your mom.
0: Right. I, I'm sure it's rough for you, but it, it just as a guy that's just your friend, just some guy, I think it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So the phrase was uh, mirror. You had to put the word mirror in there. And I thought this was so funny that I literally texted Bob uh, in the middle of the night about this. So it says Bob Sr., because it'll have someone's name in their poem. Here's Bob's poem for mirror. Wanna see a dumbass, look in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but with the exclamation points, wanna see a dumbass, look in a mirror. That's what <laughs> that's what his poems are like. It's so funny.
1: That's pretty good. That's a good one.
0: <laughs> my
1: dad's funny.
0: He is pretty funny.
1: But here's the problem with my dad. He's he he's funny and he can be funny. But lots of times, he's not funny. And whether he's funny or not funny, he's still laughing at all his jokes. Sure. And so he doesn't understand that lots of times, he's not funny at all. And I feel like I'm getting that. I'm getting that same thing where I think I'm funny, but I'm not funny. And dude, scary. I mean, I got got the moose boy, but scary
0: oh actually wow i found one from december 9th 2017 where i actually wrote a poem called i'm okay you're okay from 2017 let's hear it uh i don't i wasn't expecting to read it
1: oh uh, dude i it's, even like as i was saying it i was like don't say what you're saying like i'm so glad you said that because i don't want to hear it
0: yeah yeah it's it's and very, i don't think anybody wants to it's very, very not funny. It's very serious and intense. But your dad's now you
1: now you have to read it though. <sighs>
0: All right, well, so this predates the podcast, obviously. This is from December of twenty seventeen. I'm okay, you're okay. Every branch and bone creaking beneath the weight of a whole day. Every bum and broken mirror leaking through the grayness like a fog at midnight. Houses burned down, children who weigh nothing. I close my eyes and hold their hands and wait with them to die. That's that's I'm okay, you're okay. Here's your dad's poem though right before that. When I was young and yearned to play was ne'er the weight of a whole day. The weight of a whole day was never seen in the years from twelve to about nineteen. In early adulthood I can proudly say I'd cherish the weight of a whole day. I'd watch my children and work away. No weight was too difficult, come what may. Now in my waning years, daily I pray. Please God, let me know the weight of a whole day. That's one of his more that's one of his more sincere ones.
1: Wow. That's that's when he was caring. What What's my poem from that week?
0: For that same week? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let me find Bobby Schniz. Looking, 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 looking. Ted Roberson's. Oh, here we go. Bob Schneider, The Weight of a Whole Day. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to know what mercury is supposed to do. It expands or something, depending on the temperature, right? I do know there are people on Instagram with millions of followers who I've never heard of. In fact, there's this one little kid who opens up plastic Easter eggs on YouTube with a billion views. There are people who listen to a lady eating pickles on their computers. My wife, who I respect and admire, is one of them. (laughs) Writing poetry feels like Don Quixote fighting his windmills, making believe the war can be won when in fact there's no one to fight. The war's moved on and no one cares. They just want tits and ass and cute little kids. A moment's respite from the eventual and certain death we all wake up to every day. God damn, son, I got the moose boy. You got a moose boy. That's a heavy poem. Yeah, well, we were all kind of reaching heavy that week. They're, they're, all the weeks aren't really like that, are they?
1: I mean, I've been doing this thing lately where I've been trying to write poems that aren't where the punchline isn't like, we're going to die. Like, that's my. If I can just write a poem where I'm trying to find something good to say about something, I feel like that's going to be better. In the long term, kind of like my dad not writing about sex. I'm like, dad, don't write about sex. Your poems will be better. Me, don't write about death. They might be better. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, we're about out of time here on this episode of I'm okay, you're okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. Go check out the Patreon. A lot of cool shit over there. We're having fun at the Patreon. Go leave a positive review. We got the Metal Epic Podcast. We got the Song Club Podcast. You know what to do out there, my babies. You get it, move boy.
1: I got the moose boy. (laughs)